Patrick Davis and the Sports Complex. Weekday afternoons on The Horn. Welcome back to the Sports Complex on a Thursday afternoon on the show today. Get a little bit more basketball, a little college basketball. Going to leave that one a little bit on the burner for tomorrow. Don't want to go. We went pretty hard on college basketball yesterday. We'll pull back a little bit today. We'll go more NBA, talk about the Mavs and their trade deadline needs. We'll get into some NFL talk. And the last coaching head coach position has been hired, and it affects the Cowboys. We'll get into that. Some quarterback talk as well. All coming up here on the Sports Complex and a whole lot more. Jerry Hamilton was on Ian Rodby. We'll play you that audio as well. And, of course... Your text messages, 512-447-3776, 512-447-3776. You guys drive the show. I just try to keep it on the rails. All we got to do is send in those texts of whatever you guys want to talk about, and we'll talk about it on the show because that's what we like to do. We read everybody's text, and if you give us a good reason and a good conversation and a hot take or you got some question or whatever you want to put in there, uh, text it in. We'll also get to Patrick's big fat poll of the day today as well. Uh, keeping it rolling on a Thursday as we get closer to the weekend and a, a weekend with no NFL football because the Super Bowl, we get the Pro Bowl. Maybe we'll talk some Pro Bowl tomorrow. I haven't done a ton of looking into it. I know Gardner Minshew's a Pro Bowler, so that should tell you what it is. And it's a, you know, uh, Flag football. I don't think the pro. I think it's like the skills competition. I was always a fan of the skills competition. I always, I always thought those were fun. Uh, so I'm, I'm not, a, I'm not a hater on the skills competitions. I think those are a cool, different way to showcase, you know, some of the talents of what these guys can do and the stuff they practice. And I, I'm always a fan of the skills competition. But I have to keep looking what they are because they change around. And there's some that are fun, and then some they're like, well, we're trying to get O and D linemen involved, and they may not have the same. Uh, abilities you don't want to do anything where anybody gets hurt so uh but we'll i'll tell you what i'll look through those and we'll talk about those tomorrow because we'll have the pro bowl coming up we do have some uh college all-star games as well the east west shrine bowl is tonight at seven if you want to watch that uh if you're doing your early mock drafting and all of your your early looks at who's going to be in the nfl next year and and these college players, not a lot of Longhorns in this game tonight. Ryan Watts is going to be the only Longhorn playing tonight. Uh, JT Sanders and Jonathan Brooks uh, were both selected and took invites to the Shrine Bowl. Uh, JT Sanders pulled out pretty last minute. Jonathan Brooks clearly still recovering from injury, so he is not able to play in the game. But Ryan Watts will be playing for the West team. So if you want to watch tonight, uh, the West team will have Ryan Watts on it uh, at the Shrine Bowl 7 o'clock tonight. 
Uh, of course, the Senior Bowl is Saturday at noon. Uh, you can check that one out. Tavondre Sweat and Christian Jones, both of that, the practices, the clips you've been seeing and the, the conversations coming out is both those guys showing up really well at the Senior Bowl for Tavondre Sweat and Christian Jones. The videos of Tavondre Sweat bending people back at you know, in all the drills, Christian Jones was holding his own, and, and and apparently his stock was rising a lot yesterday. Tavondre Sweat, I think his stock is rising today. He's been one of those guys. Byron Murphy, who was another Senior Bowl invite, but uh, due to injury, was uh, took the idea to not go and play in the game. You know, get ready for the combine. Uh, but his stock, he has been listed as a number as a first round pick in a lot of drafts. Tavondre Sweat, not in all the mock drafts, as he had been a first round pick. He is trying to show why he should be. Uh, of no, Jalen Ford, Jordan Whittington also accepted invites to the Senior Bowl, but will not be part of the roster on Saturday. So uh, you will see Tavondre Sweat and Christian Jones on that on Saturday. We'll mention that again tomorrow. I believe they're both in the American team. I think that's what they're both on. I'll look it up and we'll, we'll get it to you tomorrow. But that is uh, the Senior Bowl on Saturday. The East White Shrine Bowl is tonight. If you want to watch some football on a Thursday night, uh, you know, this is, these are the. You know, for much as much as people don't, you know, like how bowl games don't matter, a lot of these guys are trying to boost draft stock. And for a guy like Ryan Watts, who right now is going undrafted in most people's minds, and maybe he's a late round pick, a sixth or a seventh, but he's probably, you know, they think maybe he'll be undrafted, and it's going to depend on if he's willing to go to safety because some people don't think he may have the speed to be able to do uh, an NFL cornerback's uh, job full time. So depending on what he does, but he's apparently willing to do it. But Ryan Watts, you see him go out there. He's trying to play for a spot where he's going to try and make an impact and move himself up into the draft because, man, you know, being drafted is a special thing, and it's uh, not something a lot of people get to do. Uh, so Ryan Watts will be going for that tonight, and all those guys will. So those are usually pretty fun games. Uh, I know no one's trying to hurt anybody, and, no, you know, it's, it's it may not be the most cohesive game, but there's a lot of talent and a lot of guys out there trying to prove what they can do. So pretty good stuff there. Uh, as far as college basketball, uh, there was a couple games in the Big 12 last night. There was one big one. Uh, Baylor took on UCF. Uh, Baylor gets the win 77-69 to on the road at UCF. Langston Love coming off the bench was the big scorer for Baylor in that game. He goes 6-for-11 from the field, 5-of-7 for 3, puts up 24 points in a big win for Baylor to get a win on the road, which we've said a million times is very hard in the Big 12. Uh, UCF also just doesn't play aggressively enough against Baylor, uh, against a team that doesn't really play a ton of defense. You know, like they're not that's they're an offensive team. They're not built around their defense. Uh, yet UCF wasn't able to go in there and play aggressively enough. Uh, you know, Baylor wins points in the paints, thirty to sixteen. They play more aggressively. Baylor ends up shooting twenty five free throws. They shoot twenty to twenty five. UCF shoots one of seven from their free throws. Uh, not a good look for UCF. That's where you have to get a little bit more aggressive go in the paint and if they're not you know fouling you and you should be able to get layups so you know you have to be able to get the easier shots or get the fouls one of those things it's a thing you know for texas and games they've played well they've been able to get to the free throw line and hit free throws that's it's just a standard part of basketball especially in college when the game is refed differently each you know each game you have to continue to find where the seams are and adjust to them and get those baskets and for ucf i think they're finding it Going to the Big 12, where it is, you know, I think, you know, playing against so many different styles and, you know, it's a big difference of, okay, you know, every week you're going up against a top talented guys, but instead of, you know, last game, you know, we were playing over the weekend on Saturday, 
we're playing a team that is all about defense and they don't want to they're not trying to score and then all of a sudden we go against a team that's all about offense and they're not fouling us so we're going in and flying over the paint and not paying attention uh but Baylor gets that win there uh for uh, a big win on the road every road win in the Big 12 is big at this point as we've seen so many upsets early in the season Rodney Terry spoke today and did have the this is separation month he says February is separation month where this is the teams where you start to get those road wins you start to pull away let's hope Texas is on the right side of that separation uh, need to get a couple wins here next week and pull themselves back to 500 in conference play and from there you're, you're set to where you need to be to be able to get for going forward in the right direction. That's where Texas needs to be aiming for. Uh, in NBA action last night, we saw the Magic uh, beat the Spurs 108-98. to Paolo Bancaro ends up with 25-9-7. Franz Wagner, 28-5. Uh, but the reality was for the Spurs, again, they just don't have the depth required to go a full 48 minutes in the NBA right now, especially if someone's hurt. Uh, they've been getting better and closer and closer to it. Keldon Johnson uh, was out last night. That second unit was hurting without him, uh, not being able to bring him off the bench. It, it showed. And uh, while they were up 11 to start you know, in the first quarter, they got up 11, and then Orlando basically took the game back over. It was around close at halftime. And when the starting lineup was in, the Spurs would be doing well, and when the starting lineup would go out, it would get really bad. And you just keep saying, as much as you watch Victor Wimanyama and the highlights on the offensive end, man, what he can do defensively and just being a seven foot four, seven foot five guy with athleticism and basketball IQ, being around the basket, he just keeps, you know, pushing away people and, and making it harder. And you add in a Jeremy Sohan into that, who's been playing better defense and getting, you know, a little bit more consistent as the season goes on. Still a young guy. You know, I've been on the record, not his biggest fan, but I'm, you know, I'm a Spurs fan, so I'm hoping for the best. Uh, he's been consistently getting better. At, you know, if you're a, he's able to put a body and stay in front of somebody, Wimby will be there to give him the back end help. So that you know, they're still progressing in the right direction, but this is not going to be their season. Clearly, uh, we also saw the uh, Rockets drop one to the Pelicans, one ten to ninety nine. The Rockets just did not bring the intensity and the energy in this game. They get out-rebounded 56-29. to There was 50 points in the paint for the Pelicans. We talked about the trade needs for the Rockets yesterday, and we talked about them needing a rim protector and some inside help. That This was what they went for in the game, the Pelicans. 50 points in the paint and uh, just, uh, just killing them rebounding as well. Where as good as Alperen Shingun is, he needs to get a little bit tougher in there. He bu- he bully balls guys that he can bully ball, but then when the game gets a little bit quicker, he's having a hard time adjusting to it. But on the good side for the Rockets, Jalen Green, another good performance as he's starting to break out of a slump that he was in for most of the beginning of the season. He goes for 31-4-4. Four and four. He goes 5-12 of 12 from three-point land, uh, but he's getting better and better. You know, he's still not a finished product, but you were seeing him go, you know, take 12 threes early in the season and maybe hit two. So you're seeing that pick up. You're seeing him get more shots open uh, and be a little bit more aggressive on both sides of the ball. He's still got a, a long way to go, but now he's at the point where you may hand off, you know, stay back a little bit more about trying to trade him at the trade deadline, which was has been discussed, and there still is time. It's February 8th is the trade deadline. We're February 1 now. So once we get to... You know, next week we'll see even more and more uh, for next Thursday when that trade deadline hits. If any of those guys are on the line, I don't know how much 
movement we're going to see of big players. We've already seen the Pascal Siakam trade. That felt like it was probably going to be one of the biggest. OG Ananubi, we've already seen trade. The Raptors were pretty much the biggest team that had real top-tier players that they were willing to get rid of. I don't know how much uh, you know the smaller teams. There's teams that are going down and starting to get bad and, and giving off players. That doesn't seem to be uh, too many of those. Uh, the Mavericks played last night. We'll get into their uh, look at free or the trade deadline. The Mavericks get a big loss last night, one twenty-one to eighty-seven. But you were not expecting anything. You're playing the number one team in the West. No Luca, no Kyrie. They shoot twenty percent from three-point percentage. You don't expect a lot when uh, Luca and Kyrie are both out for the Mavericks. But it gives you that point that there's still more things they need and. And there's a couple reasons the Mavs need more things. One, they want to compete. They do want to be a competitive team. They now have new ownership, and Mark Cuban still says he's steering the ship, but there is new ownership for the Mavericks. So they're going to be looking to try and, you know, rejuvenate the fan base and get people pumped up for it again, show that they have, you know, they're willing to spend the money and come out and, and play ball to get this team where they need to be. But in that fact, you have to be able to keep Luka Doncic. And at the end of the day, the reality of that is, even if you're not necessarily always doing the best thing, you have to kind of keep taking shots because in today's age, a lot of these superstars would prefer you keep taking shots and listening to them and trying to help them uh, than standing still saying, well, in time, this will work out. We'll get our draft picks back. Uh, the Mavs are in not a great place uh, having uh, only a first and two seconds available to trade. But that is enough to make some moves, just not a big superstar move. They also have guys that people are interested in. Tim Hardaway Jr. is a piece for a team that's contending to get an energy bench score. Tim Hardaway Jr. is great for that. Grant Williams has not worked out well there, but other teams may figure they can get him back to where he was with the Celtics. Uh, so we could see Grant Williams, Jaden Hardy, Josh Green, some young guys that people feel really good about. Omax Prosper, guy they drafted this year, they like him a lot. I don't think they want to get rid of him. I think they'd like to keep him, but if the right deal uh, approaches him, that he he's another young player that when you don't have that draft pick, you may be able to say, well, here's this guy, and instead of giving you a draft pick where you don't know what number it's going to be, here's a player that you know what you're getting right away, and he is still young. He's still kind of that draft pick. Uh, so that'll be the the what you have to offer uh, some of the big names they've been looking at, of course, the one that would really, I think, be the best deal for them if they could find a way to pull it off. We talked about the Trailblazers yesterday with the Rockets. Everyone's looking at the Trailblazers right now because they made that big trade for Damian Lillard, and it didn't feel like they're done, uh, but they still got some people on that team uh, that they maybe not be fully ready to use in the full future. Jeremy Grant is one of those guys, a really good player, uh, but you don't know where he fits in. If you're going to say this seems to be Anthony Simon's team and it's supposed to be Scoot Henderson coming on, uh, then Jeremy Grant, who's a good player, but maybe he's a little bit older than what your projection is and his salary could be prohibitive to growing the team. So if you can move him off uh, and get some younger players in there to help out, Jeremy Grant might be a guy. I don't know if the if they're ready to move him and if the Mavs have enough to go out and get him. Uh, and really make a trade that the Portland Trailblazers won't refuse. But Jeremy Grant would be one of your best options right now uh, for the Mavs. Another name that's coming out that I think people would like less, but uh, could be a help. Definitely a help scoring, uh, but I don't know if he's another guy that is going to come in and you know somewhat be 
possibly a headache is Kyle Kuzma. You know, the consistency isn't there. He's not all, you know, he's not always healthy. Just a lot of the same issues that they're kind of already dealing with with Luca and especially with Kyrie. I don't know if adding another piece kind of like that, but the the benefit for him is he's affordable. They've come out, the Wizards have said they don't expect two first for him. Uh, so if you're saying, well, now you're in the one first ballpark, we can we can give up one first, or maybe we can give you a couple players that's a value of two first and make some room and get Kyle Kuzma to come in and be a part of it. That's another option that the Mavs have going for them right now. Dorian Finney-Smith, the player that you trade in the Kyrie Irving trade, he kind of ended up in New uh, in in Brooklyn. And the problem is when they make the Mikhail Bridges trade. They now have two small forwards, small forward, power forward guys that kind of do the same thing and are similar players, and they don't really need both. So maybe you kind of amend that trade, and you get Dorian Finney-Smith back, who is a good player, knows the systems, knows how to play under Jason Kidd's coaching, knows the city of Dallas. You know, People already got his jerseys, so he can come back there and play well there. I think that would be a decent pickup if you don't have to give up too much and kind of amend that trade for Kyrie Irving once you add in Mikhail Bridges and Cam Johnson and they have too many wings. Uh, give them some other pieces that aren't wings. Uh, maybe a Jaden Hardy they'd be interested in as a, as a young guard with a lot of potential. Uh, maybe that would be someone they're in. Maybe they want a Grant Williams to get up a little bit more size uh, inside. Maybe, you know, if you look at Tim Hardaway Jr., maybe they want – uh, another scoring guard that they could bring in. Those are all people you could see brought in uh, for the Mavs at the deadline. Uh, some other names that we'll just throw out there is if they do decide they strike out on all those, those aren't going to be working for them, and maybe there's a fire sale on some guys that the new regime, if they can make the contracts work out, they'll take the length of the contract and they'll pay the money to add somebody else, even though it may not be the perfect fit, it would be like an Andrew Wiggins uh, a Miles Bridges, P.J. Washington, guys that are not necessarily the most attractive pieces to bring in, whether it's off-the-court things or on-the-court things or both for Andrew Wiggins right now, uh, where he's not he's not doing anything off the court, but there was off-the-court situations. Maybe a new scene for him would be a, an upgrade. Uh, but those are some names of some bigger names you go after. They could go after a backup center as well. Derek Lively's doing pretty well as the rookie, uh, but he can't play the entire game. So to get another big guy in there is another possibility for the Mavs as they get in to the trade deadline. It feels like they're a team that is not good enough to really be in the title hunt. Uh, do they play it out and wait for the offseason and hope they can find a better trade and be rational and be and try and convince Luka, look, man, we get it, but we can't afford to do this because we need – you know, we need to have options when better uh, options become available for us. Well, I don't know if they're going to be able to pull off and wait that long if Luka does get upset and if Luka does want them to make a move before then. But they will have a week basically from today. It's Thursday next week when the trade deadline happens to make those decisions for the maps. All right, let's get to Patrick's Big Fat Poll of the Day. Big Fat Poll of the Day on the Horn. Big Fat Poll of the Day today. Text line 512-447-3776. 512-447-3776 is the text line number. Big Fat Poll of the Day today. We know Dan Quinn is heading to Washington. We'll get to that more in the 5 o'clock hour. But with Dan Quinn heading to Washington, it opens up the D.C. position for Dallas. Who do you want to see? Who should be the next 
defensive coordinator for Dallas for the Cowboys. Who should be the next DC? Let us know who you think should be. There's a lot of options. We'll go through them in the 5 o'clock hour with you. But if you've got some that I haven't got in, I'll throw them on my list too. So let's go on that. 512-447-3776. Who should be the next DC for the Cowboys now that Dan Quinn is headed to Washington? Let us know on the text line, 512-447-3776. And we'll be right back with some a great interview with Jerry Hamilton this morning on Ian Robbie. We come back here on the Horn 1019, AM 1260, the Horn app, and hornfm.com. Patrick Davis and the Sports Complex. Weekday afternoons, only on the Horn. Back in the sports complex here on the horn. Musical theme of the week is the Grammys and Grammy winners with over double digit wins. Bruce Springsteen on that list. Double digit wins for Bruce Springsteen. Got a few more songs of that before we get to a 512 Friday tomorrow. Keep it rolling right along here on the sports complex. Uh, text lines open 512 447 3776. 512 447 3776. Text line. Uh, Poll of the day, who should be the next defensive coordinator for the Cowboys now that Dan Quinn has accepted a job with the Commanders? Who do you think it should be? Some good names. We'll go through them in the 5 o'clock hour. So if you don't know yet, we'll, we'll give you a little bit of time. Uh, we're also going to play this sound right now, a great interview with Jerry Hamilton from uh, Inside Texas on 3. Uh, does a great job uh, recruiting, talking all sports, football, basketball, talking Texas uh, some really good interview this morning from Hook'em Up with Ian Rob B. It's a Hook'em Up replay here on the Sports Complex. Let's go to the Vaqueros Hotline and uh, talk football and basketball and all things with uh, Jerry Hamilton, who you know is the senior recruiting analyst at On3 Sports, but he's also now back on the On Texas Football channel at YouTube as of this morning. Congratulations, Jerry, and welcome back. I know you had to sit out for a little bit, but uh, here you are back in there doing your great thing. It's a lot of fun. They got, they come back on realignment day. That's the day to come back, right? <laughs> yeah, it's always got to be something. Uh, what, have you, what have been your takeaways for our audience that's just tuning in or, or has not seen the list? I've been going through them. There's just so many uh, 6A, 5A, 4A all the way down, and then some are for certain sports. But what were your takeaways of what we've seen as far as realignment in high school football this morning? I think for the uh, Lake Travis, Westlake, Dripping Springs, all those fans, it's great, man. You're in the same district, right, rolling in District 2020, uh, in District 26. Um, there in 6A, uh, that's the volleyball district, obviously. But uh, no, I think it's uh, I, I think it's great, man. Um, for for that area, that they're in the same district. The the one district that's just gonna be brutal is Mesquite Horn gets moved in with Duncanville, Desoto, who opted to stay 6A, Cedar Hill, Lancaster. I mean, what a district that is. That is going to be one heck of a district. And Forney, Longview, North Forney, Rockwall, Rockwall Heath, Tyler Legacy, that's another one that caught my attention. But that District 11, Cedar Hill, Dallas Skyline, DeSoto, Duncanville, Lancaster, Mesquite, Mesquite Horn, and Waxahachie, I mean, give me a break, man. <laughs> and you cover the prospects. I mean, is there a way to put a ballpark on how many D1 prospects play in that district? I mean, that's crazy. I'm sure somebody will do the numbers, but that is, uh, so, that is a very talented district. 
Well, I can tell you this. Um, Kyle Flood was by Cedar Hill yesterday to see an offensive tackle. Steve Sarkeesian was by Dallas Skyland to see the big-time linebacker and every other coach. DeSoto obviously has a number of guys. Duncanville has 30 D1 guys in the program. The uh, 2025, the junior receiver, Emmanuel Choice, uh, has Texas, Oklahoma offers like that. Mesquite Horn has one of the top offensive tackles. Lamont Rogers in the country, who's at Texas Junior Day, as well as a number of 2026 kids. I'm guessing, let's just say there's all those schools combined, fresh, sophomore through senior class, 75 Division One prospects there. <laughs> Oh man, uh, scouts and uh, people nah, I like mean, Jerry like Hamilton. People are saying no, that's an exaggeration. People are saying that's an exaggeration. It's not. Duncanville had thirty Division One kids, freshmen through senior class, in their program last year. So just start there and work out. That's crazy. That's crazy. Uh, we're watching the Senior Bowl here, Jerry. We got a couple of Longhorns up there: Tavondre Sweat, uh, Christian Jones. I think uh, I think the tape that I've uh, I've seen and, and, and you know, the five highlights I've seen of Tavondre and Christian Jones, uh, both are helping themselves pretty pretty significantly here. And uh, you, know, you can't move too far, but man, if you're a guy like Christian Jones, um, you can show you can play guard and tackle. I think Christian's had a really good week so far. What's your thought? Yeah, no doubt about it. I mean, I think that's, it's a huge week for both those guys. It, it, that could, it, people could say, well, it's a huge week for every player. But, I, but I'll say this. The Big 12 this last year, and I talked to somebody who's actually part of the Senior Bowl, and they said in the NFL scout size, the Big 12 was a little down on the line of scrimmage this year. So Tavondre Sweat going out and, and performing against uh, many of the best offensive linemen in the country uh, they're draft eligible. And Christian Jones doing the same. If they go out and have really good weeks, that is going to has a chance, especially with Christian Jones, to really elevate the draft stock. Because, again, the Big 12 this year was not considered one of the best line of scrimmage leagues as far as NFL prospects, especially on the interior of the offensive line when you're talking about Sweat and Murphy, who obviously Murphy's sitting out this week. But Christian Jones, like you said, showing that versatility, uh, great opportunity for him. And if that body quickness holds up in pass protection against the, the edge and, and defensive line talent uh, uh, there, uh, then it's a big week for him. No question about that. And, man, he, he, when you saw him in the, in the early part of his career and then into the middle of it, you would have never thought he'd be a draft pick. Now he's maybe playing himself into a middle-round middle, middle round draft pick in the NFL, which shows the development and uh, you know, Kyle Flood's ability. And then his work is uh, uh, to get better and better as a, a guy who was pretty new to football when he got to high school. Hey, Jerry, the, uh, the Senior Bowl itself, I know we've talked about it. I'd love your thoughts on you know, Jim Nagy, the, the, the director of the Senior Bowl, talked about how they're – you know, the back end of their Senior Bowl roster got gutted because of so many guys going back to school. I mean, you, you, could, you know, Jade Barron and Alfred Collins were two guys that could have been there but decided to come back because they wanted to improve their draft stock. And Jim Nagy talked about how NFL you know, personnel are looking at this thinking, man, we, you know, the rounds six and seven, even into round five, uh, we're not going to have the prospects we thought we were. And that's the impact of NIL and players coming back. Also, you know, the juniors yeah. not leaving early. They're coming back and playing. It's good for the big picture of the industry, but at least for this year and maybe next year because of, of COVID years, uh, the, the back end of the NFL draft is going to be tough to find draftable players for a lot of teams. Hey, that's great news for the 32, 33-year-old guys holding on a couple extra years, right? I mean, first off, you know, try to get through that to the end of their careers. Uh, but, yeah, I think it's interesting. It really not that there's not already, but it places such a premium on the evaluation process in these first four or five rounds now. I mean, because that, ta that late-round talent 
there might not be as many guys um, as there have been, at least right now, you know, as we're kind of moving through the NIL and seeing how all this is going to settle and what's going to happen long term. But it really puts a lot of pressure on that evaluation process, more so than ever. Uh, but I think it's, uh, like I said, the, my first initial reaction to that was for the, the guys still hanging on at the end of their NFL career. That's actually not a bad thing for them. They get another year to make a little money, right? I think you're exactly right about that because uh, you know, the, those young players drafted in those rounds can become cheap labor uh, for your because you got them under control for a few years once you draft them. And, uh, of course, when you've got veteran players, they're making the veteran minimum, which is a lot more than those rookies make in the early part of their career. But, yeah, it'll be interesting to see. But it does make it, uh, you know, we can say what we want about the state of college football, and we know it needs, you know, some restrictions and, and rules put in place and all those things. But, man, the talent, uh, when you got these guys coming back, uh, I was uh, seeing some tweets from Matt Miller, the ESPN draft scout talking about how you know a guy like uh um you know the, the, the for the longhorns i mean the, the, some of the you know alfred collins we mentioned uh, jade baron isaiah bond um you know these guys i mean trey trey, trey moore these guys are already on their draft watch list right they're already watching these guys for where they would would slot and peg um this is big i mean the longhorns have filled some real key needs through the portal with several guys that likely would have been drafted in this year's draft had they decided to go out Andrew Makuba as well probably fits into that, right? Yeah, so, I mean, right that, that. that is absolutely true. Um, I mean, there's a chance that Texas, uh, this team next year, will have more guys drafted than this draft in April. I mean, and, and, and at the beginning of the season, that's just how uh, – that's how the portal is re- – and NIL for the power schools, for the Blue Bloods, let's be real. But how it's really changed the game here is there's no reason – one of the things I look at with these Blue Blood college programs, whether it's football, basketball especially, but we're talking football, there's no reason to be in an experienced team anymore. Right? I mean, there's no reason to say, oh, man, we're losing nine guys to the draft. We, we might have a little slight pullback here next year. Now, not if you're a Blue Blood, not when you can go out in the portal. Um, obviously, some of it's timing. Nick Saban's retirement helps obviously, um, but there's something the coaching carousel every year, which makes the portal so much more impactful to me. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, the, you look at Texas, uh, so you talk about Moore, Makuba, Bond, Nyblack out of the portal. is four guys. M- Matthew Golden, I mean, uh, you know, Silas Bolden's probably a free agent type of guy just because of size, but he's a, he's a little water bug now. Uh, but then you add those to the guys returning, Quinn, Kelvin Banks, you get the Calfrey Collins, Sade Barron, as you mentioned, uh, Terrence Brooks would be a draft eligible. You'd start getting to those Cam Williams if he has a great year as a draft eligible guy, right? I mean, so you start getting to those some of those guys and the talent on this team. And, you know, Texas fans, we, we talked about all year on, on Texas football, Texas is going to have more guys drafted than they ever have in like a, the, in a seven-round draft. Well, I think they're going to eclipse that next year based on what they got in the portal and guys that are going to be draft eligible returning on this team. Yeah, Jerry Hamilton, great stuff right there with on Texas football and on three sports. And you're right about that. Uh, we're going through the numbers now, but man, uh, and next year, a guy like Kelvin Banks and you know, Quinn Ewers, if he has a really good junior year, yeah. could be at the top of the draft. I mean, Byron Murphy's likely the top Longhorn this year, but you'll have some guys at the top of that draft, which is um, you know good signs for the Longhorns uh, who are developing players, recruiting and, and you know uh, acquiring guys very well, and then developing them for the next level. Real quick, some breaking news has just dropped, which we'll talk about more coming up. But Dan Quinn has been hired, according to multiple reports, by the Washington Commanders to be their new head coach. Dan Quinn leaving the Cowboys. He will be the Washington Commanders new head football coach according to Ian Rappaport and now ESPN has the story. So uh, any thoughts on that there G or is that uh, outside of your level of expertise which nothing is by the way. 
No, well, I, well, I recently heard that you know Seattle was the place he wanted to go. Ideally, if he was going to if he was going to go, obviously Seattle went a different direction. Um, Dan Quinn has a house out in, in Hawaii. He loves the West Coast, even though he's an East Coast guy. I was told by a couple of people um, that you know Seattle would have been probably his top choice. Uh, I don't look. I'm not as locked in on that, but that's just what I'd heard in the coaching community. Uh, but there's also a little more breaking news here. Billy Glasscock, who heads up recruiting for the University of Texas, is leaving to go to Ole Miss. So uh, the coaching carousel, whether it's on the field or off the field, continues, right? So Steve Sarkeesian's looking for a new guy to run the University of Texas recruiting department. Wow, that's big news right there that just dropped. Uh, uh, That that just happened this morning. Any word on why? Lane Kiffin obviously doing a good sell job. Yeah, you know, I don't have I don't have any info on that. I think that caught everybody off guard, and because it's not as publicized, right, as an assistant coach, uh, so a lot of times those things can kind of work behind the scenes a little bit more. And then, boom, then it just happens. Uh, but uh, that that one surprises me a little bit. I, I'll be honest, but I have not heard the reason why. All right, so we'll look on to look look for that uh, Dan Quinn in in Washington, and uh, Sark's looking for a new director of recruiting, uh, according to Jerry Hamilton, who's with us right now. Jerry, the uh, uh, on, while we're on the portal, before we gave you the breaking news, I haven't heard your thoughts, um, you know, and gotten your thoughts for our audience on uh, the the portal additions that came in a little later, Isaiah Bond and uh, Nye Black, the tight end. Um, you know, how big are those? I mean, you, you followed those players when they were coming out of high school. I mean, these are, these are two big gets, especially when you're placing the likes of Xavier Worthy and A.D. Mitchell and Jatavion Sanders. Yeah, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say this, and I know this could come back and haunt me, but, uh, you know, you get my real opinion. I think Texas may be a more explosive offense next year than they were this year. And people are like, well, well with Xavier Worthy, uh, A.D. Mitchell, I, I get it, but JT Sanders, but Nye Black is a true, true, true down the field threat at, at tight end. I mean, he's wide receiver speed when he opens up his gate. Now he is a real vertical threat at the tight end position. Isaiah Bond runs ten five. I mean, so and I'll tell you this: Silas Bolden is he may be five eight and a half one sixty, but he plays bigger. He is quick and fast. Um, he can get behind you as well. I think Texas has real speed, multiple positions coming in. And that's and I'm not sure Nye Black will catch as many passes as JT Sanders, but I think his yards per catch, some of the big plays, maybe even more so. And that's saying something because JT made a lot of big plays. I don't think you're going to see him in a tight end screen game as much. I think you're going to see him as a more of a vertical threat. Uh, I think Bond, Nye Black, Bolden, I mean, defensive coordinators are going to be looking at Texas saying, whoa, I mean, they got some really – they got even faster this year than they were last season when they made the college football playoffs. So I think offensively now, Quinn's got to keep that, that elbow and shoulder iced in the offseason, man. That ball's going to be flying down the field this next year. And intermediate game, um, the opposite field hash, 18-yard comebacks with these guys with great speed. Um, and Nye Black just down the seam and what Sark can do – the scheme all these guys open. I, I think this roster of offensive skill guys is is really scary from a speed perspective. And I'll also say this. Bolden had a punt return for a touchdown last year. Matthew Golden had two kickoff returns for touchdowns last year. They lost some key guys worthy in Keelan Robinson in the return game. And moving into the SEC where chunk plays really matter because the Big 12 is a great coaches conference. Talent-wise, it's not great in terms of 
the talent you're going to see week in, week out in the SEC. That doesn't mean all the SEC teams are better. The talent, all you have to do is follow the NFL draft uh, every year. You, those playmakers, those chunk yardage playmakers are going to be so big. And what they did in the return game along with wide receiver, I think is big. I, I, I think Makuba is a huge get out of the portal, um, especially with Baron uh, Jade coming back, right? And then you add Phil Simbi and Jordan Johnson Rebell as high school safeties. I, I think that the, the uh, safety nickel position is really strong at Texas next year as well. So obviously more can rush the passer. Um, at a high level. Now, he's not as long-levered as some guys are, so playing the run, he might get attacked a little bit on the edges in the SEC by those big NFL offensive linemen, but he is a really good pass rusher. Colin Simmons brings the pass rush from the high school level. I think they address some needs in the program out of the portal really well to match with the high school needs they addressed, uh, but I think they did great work in the portal. And You know, Kendrick Blackshire won't be talked about a lot, the inside linebacker from Alabama. But he gives you an adult in the room with experience at inside linebacker, which Texas won't have next year. Um, so he's played, I believe, 100 snaps in the, in the box in the SEC this year. So he has experience. He's got that size. Uh, and he's a good guy to match with Leonga LaFowle while Leonga LaFowle continues to develop. I, I think Texas did really good work. Savea as a point of attack guy on the defensive line, obviously was recruited by Johnny Nansen at high school, out of high school from Desert Pines in Las Vegas at UCLA, then transfers to Arizona when Nansen goes to Arizona, now goes to Texas. Um, so Nansen must be a really good recruiter, by the way, uh, for Texas fans out there. But he's a good po- point of attack, anchor, uh, run game, defender. So I think they've addressed needs. they got to get another D tackle in the portal in the spring. I, and if they do that, and he's a guy that can play 25, 30 snaps and be a highly productive player, I think Texas may be a better team next year. Wow, that's interesting. Yeah, and uh, your experience at quarterback, you had all that speed. Because if you think about it, it makes sense that yep. you know last year's receivers, Xavier Worthy was the one that you know took the top off your defense, and you you just saw the speed jump off the screen. But you know Isaiah Nayer, excuse me, Ad Mitchell was more of a technician in the ball skills and the route running, and we'll see what his speed looks like when he gets to the combine coming up. Um, and then Jordan Whittington was more of a running back out there um, once he got the ball in his hands. But these guys are just all speedsters. I mean, you're putting a track team out there with an experienced O line and a third. Yes. Your quarterback, then you put a Jaden Blue in the backfield, who's one of the fastest running backs in the country, potentially. I mean, you, you're just you got defenses on their heels uh, trying to deal with all that speed, which opens up a lot of opportunities for Sark and his creativity uh, with an experienced QB. Jerry Jerry Hamilton is with us, talking all things football. Longhorn offseason, the winter workouts have begun. The, the uh, All Star games are being held this week. Also, uh, uh, Jerry, some Texas basketball. We've had conversations, uh, frustrating loss Monday night that we talked about. Uh, game was there for you, but man, missed free throws. Too many second chance opportunities for Houston and that that great rebounding team that they are. But I think Longhorns showed in that game that they can really play with anybody. Uh, but at the same time, they have deficiencies. I said that earlier that it's a they, they seem like they're really close, but at the same time, they're three and five in this conference, uh, so they're kind of a mile away from being where they want to be. What's it going to take for Roddy Terry's team to uh, to find a win over TCU, who's now ranked and on a roll on Saturday, and, and get themselves on a roll and back into contention for March Madness. 
I mean, the, the scary thing is the easiest part of the schedule in the Big 12 has already happened for me, for, for Texas. I mean, even though it's at, Texas Tech was a home game at Cincinnati, at West Virginia, UCF at home, I think that was a, that's a rough loss. That's one that could maybe look back upon and say, man, that one that one proved costly. Uh, but, yeah, like, like you said, at TCU, the, well, Iowa State at home, obviously West Virginia at home, but then you're at Houston. The next four games, three ranked opponents. So they, there's no off nights in the Big 12, but that's a really tough four-game stretch. Um, and, and look, I think that they just have to play through Disu and Asmus. We've talked about on the on the offensive end. They have to play through those guys. Everybody else has to be complementary off those guys. And I think they they've made some strides in that area. I think there's been times where they've looked really good offensively. Um, you know, you got to get the right guys to the free throw line at the right time. I, I think that's big in the in the late shot clock. Who who is in that two man game in the late shot clock, especially the last four minutes of games? I think that's going to be huge. Moving forward on the road in the Big 12, uh, but I think you know, look, you got to play. U of H is a very physical team. I mean, for people that love Rick Barnes teams, right? It's it, it, Kelvin Sampson, Rick Barnes. They had some real just slugfest physically back in the day in the Big 12, and Kelvin Sampson's still having slugfest uh, uh, against against Texas now, right? At Houston, though, I think the teams that really are physical are going to give uh, Texas the most issues right now. I think this game against Houston, though, will be great for Rodney Terry and the staff to get a point across to their guys. Look, we have to turn it up a notch physically. We have to maximize that. I know they're more of a finesse team. They're really talented on offense in a lot of areas, uh, but they're going to have to match some physicality uh, on the road rebounding the basketball. There's no doubt about it. Yeah, and then there's the uh, the Dylan Mitchell problem for me because I, you know, we've talked with you, Jerry, and we've talked here on the show, Rod and I. You know, Dylan is a very talented player, man. His his athleticism just just is tremendous. Uh, but as you said, you can't play him at the three position because his offensive game's not developed enough. He can't shoot uh, and stretch the floor. So then we found out the other night you put him at the four and he gets he gets kind of pushed around in the rebounding game. Uh, but you know, you know it runs through through Dessou and Asmus. What do you do with Dylan Mitchell? What's the best course of action moving forward against this schedule that they have to play? Yeah, I think uh, I think it's kind of is what it is right at this point. And, and I think I'm glad they moved away from the big lineup. <clears throat> and obviously they, I think part of that was these two coming back. Um, but I think also was just kind of the, the team uh, figuring out the rotation, the roles on this team, the players and the staff, right. As they build this team out um, and try to maximize it the best they can. But yeah, the, the big lineup with Mitchell and Cunningham, there just wasn't enough floor spacing. Uh, just no way there could be enough floor spacing in the college game. It's such a, it's such a spacing game now at all levels of basketball. Um, but Dylan Mitchell, the other issue is got to make free throws. I mean, that's the tough thing is, is you need his athleticism on the court, and he is your leading rebounder even though he does get beat physically uh, because he's not really a four, uh, not against a rugged team, let's say. Um, but then, you know, he's got to be able to step to the line late in the game, and you got to be able to say, okay, this guy's going to make free throws, or you have to sub in, sub out. Um, so for defensive purposes, sub him out on the offensive end if you can. So there's, there's just – it's a tough mix tough to get this mix right on this team uh, with this staff right now um, but I think the at the end of the day going away from the big lineup I think is the best thing Texas can do uh, offensively uh, because I think the offensive struggles are going to way outweigh the defensive struggle or the defensive gains uh, because if you play that big lineup you're trying to cover smaller guards but without floor spacing in this league it's too easy to defend. 
That's why he's Jerry Hamilton, uh, the, the, the best in the biz, whether we're talking football or basketball, even the NFL in there. He dropped that for you. And the breaking news from Texas, uh, we appreciate it. He is back on uh, on Texas football. Had to take a little hiatus there, Jerry, but you're back, and uh, you'll be on every morning, right, with the Coffee and Football Show on the On Texas Football channel. What else are you going to be doing at, uh, at OTF there with uh, Bobby and the crew? Yeah, yeah, and on TexasFootball.com, uh, the, the site as well. So excited, excited about it. Great team there, obviously. Uh, love doing foot, college football Saturdays with you, the, the Watch With Us, Rod Davers. Uh, we, great team. Uh, we have a lot of fun, and I'm, I couldn't be more excited. I'm glad you're back and glad to see you there. And uh, we'll chat again soon. Thank you, Jerry. Have a great weekend, and uh, we'll talk maybe next week and uh, talk some Texas basketball, get, you, get a Super Bowl pick from you as well. There you go. Let's do it, guys. All right, man. All right, Jerry Hamilton, there you go, uh, on three sports and, of course, on Texas football. Good stuff there from Hook em Up uh, with Ian Robbie. Weekday morning, 6 to 11, right here on The Horn. We'll come back, get to your text messages, 512-447-3776, 512-447-3776. You got any opinions on the NBA, college basketball, or the NFL and the big hiring of Dan Quinn to the Commanders. We'll get more into that in the 5 o'clock, but I want to hear what you guys think, too. And uh, the poll of the day, who do you think should be the next defensive coordinator for the Dallas Cowboys? Who should be the next defensive coordinator for the Dallas Cowboys? Let us know on the text line, 512-447-3776. We'll get to that. We'll get to more uh, talk as we get back here on the Sports Complex on the Horn 1019, AM 1260, the Horn app, and hornfm.com. The Sports Complex with Patrick Davis on the Horn. Tumble out of bed and I stumble to the kitchen. Pour myself a cup of ambition and yawn and stretch and try to come to life. Jump in the shower and the blood starts pumping Out on the streets the traffic starts jumping With folks like me on the job from nine to five Working nine to five What a way to make a living Back on the sports complex here on the horn Playing Grammy Award winners with double duty Grammy wins all week long here on the show. Well, at least until we get through today, and then we'll have a five one two Friday tomorrow. That Jerry Hamilton interview bet is run a little bit long, but that's all good. We got a lot more coming up in hour two. Uh on the text line, we did get this one though. I'll share this one before we get there. Uh we'll talk some more NFL and Dan Quinn and defensive coordinator for the Cowboys a little bit more here in hour two. But this takes like uh, it says, holy crap, just switch to the Horn FM app. It's so much better than trying to listen to you guys on the FM dial. Why didn't you tell me? I think we've been telling you to go get the app and download the app. Uh, depending where it is, the signals are not always great for the AM or the FM. You can listen on 1019 AM, uh, FM or 1260 AM, wherever you're at. If those aren't coming in great, you can listen to the Horn app anywhere in the world. So why not download that Horn app and you'll get a great way to listen to the Horn everywhere you're at. Uh, is it's, it's easy to download, go and download it and check it out. But yes, uh, yes, you should. I appreciate, I appreciate you letting us know that it's working well. I uh, appreciate you out there. Text lines open five, one, two, four, four, seven, three, seven, seven, six. We'll get to some text when we come back here on the sports complex, talking some NFL, Dan Campbell, or Dan Quinn to the commanders. What are their options at the, at the defensive coordinator position for the Cowboys? We'll get into that. We may get into some quarterback talk as well, depending on what you guys want to talk about there 
on the text line. Let us know. We'll get into it here in hour two. Coming right back on the Sports Complex and the Horn 1019, AM 1260, the Horn app, and hornfm.com.